ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So last time then we were discussing regarding the weighing scale and the deeds that are weighed in the weighing scale. And the homework question was what? Ah, if the bad deeds will be taken away from the sum of your overall deeds. You have good deeds and you have bad deeds. Are the bad deeds taken away from the sum of your good deeds? So for example, if you had 10 good deeds, 4 bad deeds, your overall account is 6 good deeds. Somebody has 10 good deeds and only 1 bad deed, their overall account is 9 good deeds. And then will you be placed into paradise upon that final sum? Is that how it works? That was one of the questions that we put down last time at the end. So regarding that then, it mentions here, رُجْحَانُ السَّيِّئَاتِ That was the, uh, sorry, رُجْحَانُ الْحَسَنَاتِ That the good deeds outweigh the bad deeds. That was the first initial situation that arises. That the good deeds outweigh the bad deeds. And that is mentioned in the Quran. فَمَنْ ثَقُلَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ That those whom weighing scale is made heavy, then they are the successful فَأَمَّا مَنْ ثَقُلَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَهُوَ فِي عِيشَةِ الرَّاضِيَةِ So whomsoever his weighing scale is heavy, then he will be in the life of bliss. And then we mentioned, is that still the case if you have major sins on the evil side? And the answer to that was, yes, yes it is still the case as long as your good deeds overall outweigh your bad deeds. Then came the issue after that, مَنْ رَجَّحَتْ حَسَنَاتُهُمْ عَلَى سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ مُتَفَاوِتُونَ تَفَاوِتًا عَظِيمًا وَهُمْ فِي الْجُمْلَةِ عَلَى الطَّبَقَتَيْنِ That those whose good deeds outweigh their bad deeds, then they are going to be of different levels. Those whose good deeds outweigh their bad deeds, are going to be of different levels. Two overall levels we mentioned. The first was... People on the right. People on the right. People on the right. The good deeds have outweighed the bad deeds. All of the people whose good deeds outweigh their bad deeds... Those people are categorized into two main categories. One of them are the ones who had only purely good deeds, like the prophets and messengers. 
Even where any error was made, any error was made, they sought repentance. And so they have their good deeds. The second category are those who have the good deeds, weighing outweighing their bad deeds, but they have some bad deeds. مَنْ لَمْ يُوَفَقْ لِلْتَوْبَةِ مِنْ سَيِّئَاتِهِ قَبْلَ مَمَاتِهِ So those who did not basically repent from their sins before dying, and therefore they have an element of bad deeds on that day. وَهَاؤُلَا هُمْ نَعْمْ مُتَفَاوِتُونَ فِي الدَّرَجَاتِ فِيمَا بَيْنَهُمْ so these individuals whose good deeds have outweighed their bad deeds, but they had some bad deeds, then they are going to be different levels, depending on how many good deeds overall, how many bad deeds, they are going to be of different levels. فَأَعْلَاهُمْ مَنْ لَهُ حَسَنَاتٍ كَثِيرَةٍ وَصَغَائِرْ قَلِيلَةٍ So the highest of them is going to be obviously the ones with the greatest number of good deeds and only a small amount of minor sins in their bad deeds. They are going to be at the higher levels. And then it goes down section by section, those who have less good deeds and more bad deeds, until eventually you get people who have overall more good deeds, but they do have a significant amount of bad deeds too. So then the question about equalizing, do the bad deeds take away from the sum of the good deeds to give you a final figure? There are three opinions about that. The first opinion, أَنَّ لِلسَّيِّئَاتِ تَأْثِيرًا فِي إِبْطَالِ مَا قَابَلَهَا قَالُوا وَلَوْلَا هَذَا لَمَا كَانَ لِسَيِّئَاتِ أَثَرْ وَلَوْلَا هُلَمَا كَانَ هُنَاكَ فَرْقْ بَيْنَ مَنْ فَعَلَ حَسَنَاتِ فَقَطْ وَبَيْنَ مَنْ فَعَلَ حَسَنَاتِ وَسَيِّئَاتِ The first opinion is that yes, the evil deeds do equalize from the good deeds. They do take away from the sum of the good deeds to give you a final sum. And the reason why they took this opinion, some of the scholars, is because they said, if that was not the case, then in our general example, just to make the point, somebody with ten good deeds and two bad deeds would be the same as somebody with six good deeds and four bad deeds. They would be the same then if you're going to say that there is no equalization that occurs from the bad deeds to the good deeds, giving you a final sum of the level of the person. If that doesn't happen, then the 10 to 2 is the same as the 6 to 4. Surely there has to be some difference between them. So the first opinion of some of the scholars is that yes, that is all taken into consideration. And the bad deeds therefore do take away and have an impact upon the overall sum or figure just to uh, explain it very generally. The second opinion, that only major sins have that impact. If a person had major sins on one side, had major sins on one side, but overall he had more 
good deeds, we're all talking about that same category, the ones whose good deeds outweigh their bad deeds. Some of those people whose good deeds outweigh their bad deeds may only have minor sins in their bad deeds. But some may have major sins on that side. They may have some major sins in their bad deeds. But overall their good deeds outweigh them so they are successful. The second opinion says in that circumstance where they have major sins on their bad side, those major sins do take away an amount or balance out an amount from the good side to give the level of that person. But if it's only minor sins, then no. So if you had a 10 to 2 and a 6 and a 4, but the 2 of the first person and the 4 of the second person were all minor sins, then nothing. But the 10 to 2 and the 6 to 4, or the 10 to 2 and the 10 to 2, but one of the 10 to 2's has major sins from the 2, that does impact upon his level. But if it's just minor sins, then there, there is no impact, and there is no uh, uh, sum or figure that is then deduced from those numbers, that the sins do not impact upon the good deeds basically, if it is minor sins. But the second opinion here says, it is therefore only major sins on that side that will impact. Hence, a person has ten good deeds, two bad deeds, but they're only minor sins. Nothing. Ten good deeds, two bad deeds, but one is a major sin. Now that one does impact, and to very briefly, just our example, this isn't how it is, but an example to highlight, therefore he'll go down to nine good deeds. His one major sin will impact on his good deeds. The third opinion, that the one whose good deeds outweigh his bad deeds, then regardless of whether he has major sins or minor sins in his bad deeds, nothing at all. No accountability there, no equalization there, no final sum of the numbers there, nothing. His good deeds have outweighed his bad deeds, that's it. And that is the opinion of Ibn Qayyim. So three opinions. The first opinion said, any bad deeds, there has to be an impact of them on your good side to give you a final sum. Regardless of whether they are major or even minor. Second opinion, only if they are Major. Third opinion, major or minor, no impact at all. There is no impact of the evil deeds upon your good side at all. First opinion was, there is a complete impact. Whether major or minor sins, they will impact on your good side to give you a final station and level and figure. Second opinion, only the major sins will impact on your good side to give you a final figure. Third opinion, nothing impacts on your good deeds. Your good deeds have outweighed your bad deeds, that's it. They will not now impact upon you at all. And that is the opinion of Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala. So that was all regarding the situation where your 
Good deeds have outweighed your bad deeds. The second scenario is where your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds. The second obvious scenario, your bad deeds on the weighing scale end up outweighing your good deeds. Ibn al-Qayyim said that there is a group of people, a group of Muslims. قَوْمٌ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ خَفَّتْ مَوَازِينُهُمْ وَرَجَّحَتْ سَيِّئَاتُهُمْ عَلَى حَسَنَاتِهِمْ That there are a group of Muslims where their weighing scale will be light on that day. Their weighing scale will be light on that day. And their bad deeds will have outweighed their good deeds. فَغَلَبَتْهَا السَّيِّئَاتُ So their evil deeds overcame their good deeds. There will be a group of the Muslims on that day as such. فَهَذِهِ الطَّبَقَةِ الَّتِي اخْتَلَفَتْ فِيهَا أَقَاوِيلُ النَّاسِ what happens to those Muslims then? That group of Muslims on that day, where their evil deeds outweigh their good deeds, then what is their end result? There is much discussion in this topic now, in this scenario now. وَكَثُرَ فِيهَا خَوْضُهُمْ وَتَشَعَّبَتْ مَذَاهِبُهُمْ وَتَشَتَّتَتْ آرَاؤُهُمْ He says much discussion has occurred and their opinions have differed and their statements have differed over this second situation. Muslims whose bad deeds outweigh their good deeds. قَالَ بَعْضُ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ Some of the scholars have the opinion regarding those Muslims whose bad deeds outweigh their good deeds. But of course, they could not have had major shirk on the bad deeds, because then they would just be from the kuffar. This is talking about Muslims, who have bad deeds outweighing their good deeds. So the bad deeds, whatever they were, major sins, etc., there is no shirk in there, because then they would be out of this discussion into kuffar. So, what have the scholar said about these Muslims, whose bad deeds outweigh their good deeds? One opinion of the scholars is, that they will absolutely, definitely, enter the hellfire initially. That they will absolutely, and definitely, Enter the hellfire initially. But they will not remain forever in there. Because like we just said, the scenario we're discussing now is the weighing scale occurs. Your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds. But you don't have any shirk in your bad deeds. Major sins maybe. But not shirk taking you out of Islam. So you're Muslim. But your bad deeds have outweighed your good deeds. So now what's the ruling on you? Some scholars say, definitely hellfire first. 
You won't remain therein forever because you didn't have shirk in your bad deeds, but definitely hellfire initially. That is what Ibn Hazm promoted, uh, and Al Imam Ibn Al Qayyim mentioned that this is the statement of some of the Sahaba, and it is the statement of some of the Tabi'een and some of the scholars of Hadith, and it is what appears to be the position of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, what appears apparently from the speech of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, that this is his position too, that they will definitely initially enter the hellfire. فَصَاحِبُ الْكَبِيرَةِ تَحْتَ الْخَطَرِ مَا لَمْ يَتُبْ So now, these individuals with major sins, then they will have a severe threat upon them. They are under severe threat for their evil deeds having outweighed their good deeds. However, some scholars have mentioned, إِنَّ مَنْ وَرَدَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ بِسَيِّئَاتِ مَعَ حَسَنَاتِ فَقَدْ يُكَفَّرْ عَنْهُ بِمَا يَحْصُلُ مِنْ كُرُوبِ ذَلِكَ الْيَوْمِ قَبْلَ مَوْقِفِ الْوَسَنِ Some scholars have said though, a believer, a Muslim on that day, who has evil deeds along with good deeds, some of his evil deeds may be expiated on that day. We know that illness and trials and tribulations and these affairs expiate your sins. The difficulties of that day, the difficulties of that day, would also be a means of expiating some sins. That a person has sins, but he goes through extreme difficulty on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, of course. The resurrection and everything that occurs, and all of that difficulty, and that situation is a means of expiation of some of those evils. So even though he may have many evils and some good, on that day, some of those evils may be expiated and wiped out, such that in the end, his bad deeds do not outweigh his good deeds, even though they did initially in his accountability. So some scholars said, you can't just say, if on that day a person has more bad deeds than good deeds, definite hellfire initially. Because maybe a person in that circumstance may have some of his bad deeds expiated for the difficulties of that day itself, and therefore in the end, be allowed to miss the hellfire and enter paradise. Maybe, maybe the expiation on that day for his evils, may take away such amounts, that he is therefore exempt from the hellfire. Also the scholars have mentioned in the second opinion, the ones who don't agree that they will definitely go to hellfire initially, they say it is possible, قَدْ يَغْفِرُ لَهُ بِمَحْضِ رَحْمَةِ أَرْحَمِ قَدْ يُغْفَرْ لَهُ بِمَحْضِ رَحْمَةِ أَرْحَمِ الرَّحِمِينَ 
that it is possible that even though their bad deeds outweigh their good deeds, and they had no shirk though, that they may just be forgiven by Allah by His mercy. Allah may just forgive them by His mercy. May just forgive them anyway. Possible? Very possible. فَأَمَّا إِنْ وَرَدَ مَوْقِفَ الْوَزَنْ وَلَمْ يُغْفَرْ لَهُ قَبْلَ ذَلِكَ فَإِنَّ النُّصُوصَ تَقْتَضِي أَنَّهُ يُعَذَّبْ عَذَابًا If, however, a person has not been forgiven prior to that balance occurring, and has not had enough expiated prior to that balance occurring, and it occurs, and his bad deeds outweighs good deeds, then they say, okay, he will be punished initially. So it's as though they have the same opinion as the other scholars, but they add on to it, that there is this exception that is possible, that before the weighing scale, he may have had some of his bad deeds expiated, or that Allah may have just given him mercy and forgiveness anyway, But if neither of that occurs, and he comes to the weighing scale and his bad outweighs his good, then okay, in that case he will be punished initially. But then they also mention, Allahumma illa an tahsul lahu shafa'ah qabla dukhulihi nar that there is one more thing that may occur. So now they said, maybe Allah will just forgive him. Maybe the difficulties of that day will expiate his evil deeds from him. Maybe if neither of those things occur to a level whereby his bad deeds are not now outweighing his good deeds, so they still are, then okay, hellfire is his end result initially. But even then they said, he may not enter hellfire. How? So, what is the answer to that? A person, a Muslim, his bad deeds have outweighed his good deeds now. We're on that scenario. No shirk in his bad deeds though, because if it were shirk there, it would exit us from this scenario. Bad deeds but no shirk, he's a Muslim. 
In that circumstance, some scholars say the first opinion that he will definitely go to hellfire initially in that case. His bad deeds outweighed his good deeds. He must go to hellfire initially for those bad deeds when he's purified paradise. Second opinion says not necessarily. Maybe the expiation of the difficulties of that day for him may count towards him. Maybe Allah will just forgive him. So not necessarily that he will end up in hellfire just like that. If nothing like that happens, they say, then okay, he will initially enter the hellfire. He will initially head to the hellfire. But still, he may not end up in the hellfire. How come there? Rahmah's gone, they said. Rahmah, it's happened. Shafa'ah. They said one thing that remains still is Shafa'ah. That even after all of that, they are now heading to hellfire. They may not necessarily end up entering it because prior to that, intercession may occur. And that is mentioned by the scholars as a possible intercession on that day. The intercession that occurs for a group who deserved to enter the hellfire. But they are interceded for to not enter. That is mentioned by the scholars as a type of intercession on that day. The intercession for those who deserved to enter the fire. Their bad deeds were greater than their good deeds. But it is interceded for them such that they are excused and don't enter. So even that may be something that prevents them from entering the hellfire. So, two opinions there. One saying, absolutely, they will enter. Second saying, not necessarily. There is the mercy of Allah upon them, maybe. There is the expiation of the sins on that day. There is intercession that occurs to stop, or to uh, uh, intercede to bring people out, who are deserving to go into hellfire. There are things that may occur. And a sheikh Abdurrahman al-Sa'idi mentioned this. He said, وَمَنْ رَجَّحَتْ سَيِّئَاتُهُ عَلَى حَسَنَاتِهِ فَلَا بُدَّ مِنْ دُخُولِهِ النَّارِ بِقَدَرِ ذُنُوبِهِ Whomsoever his bad deeds outweighed his good deeds from the Muslims, then he will definitely enter the hellfire to the level of his bad deeds that he had. ثُمَّ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةِ Then after that, when he's been purified from them, he'll enter paradise. إِلَّا Unless... Except and tahsulalahu shafa'ah. Unless an intercession, the intercession occurs for him, فَإِنَّ الشَّفَاعَةَ لِأَهْلِ الذُّنُوبِ الْمَعَاصِ ثَابِتَةً Because the intercession for the sinners, it is something established. So that is the two main opinions regarding what happens to the Muslims whose bad deeds outweigh their good deeds. Opinion one, they will enter the fire initially. Opinion two, not necessarily. Maybe the mercy of Allah, maybe the expiation on that day, maybe the intercession, maybe these things or one of them or a combination of them may allow them to bypass the hellfire and enter paradise. If not, then yes, in the end, they will enter hellfire in that case. The third situation now then, what is the third situation? First situation, your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. Second situation, your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds. Third situation, equal. Exactly equal. 
that you have your balance on that day and your deeds are exactly equal. They are exactly equal. وَهَؤُلَاءِ يُوقَفُونَ بَيْنَ الْجَنَّةِ وَالنَّارِ مُدَّةً مُعَيَّنَةً Those, that group, they will be made to stand in a place between paradise and hell for a certain period of time. They are made to stand and wait in a place between paradise and hell for a certain given period of time that Allah wishes. ثُمَّ يُصَارُ بِهِمْ Then after that, what is done with them? Initially they are made to wait in a place between paradise and hell and they are recognized as the people of Al-A'raf Al-A'raf like Surah Al-A'raf that is them they are made to wait between paradise and hell for a period that Allah determines and then after that what is done to them their good deeds were exactly the same as their evil deeds their good deeds were not more than their bad deeds but their bad deeds were not more than their good deeds. So what is to be done with them? Obviously these are more worthy of going to Jannah than the second category. So they should go to Jannah. But the second category, second category may be punished in the hellfire first. Maybe. Maybe. No, no shirkia. These are all the Muslims. Paradise, yes. so they wait there for a period of time and then just go to paradise even though their good deeds did not outweigh their bad deeds even by one, exactly equal. So are they deserving of paradise or are they deserving of hell or what are they deserving of? Paradise you say? Paradise, yes. Correct. They will wait for a period of time that Allah determines. And then after that, they will be taken to paradise. It cannot be that they would be taken to hellfire. That would be unjust. Their bad deeds did not outweigh their good deeds. They are not deserving of hellfire. But their good deeds did not outweigh their bad deeds. But this is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they are taken directly to paradise thereafter. Allah. Ibn Hazm, Ibn Hazm said, uh, a small benefit here regarding that situation of your good deeds being exactly the same as your evil deeds. Ibn Hazm, he mentioned that if I could get to that level, that would be my greatest wish. 
If I could get to a level where my good deeds are equal to my bad deeds on that day, that is my greatest hope and wish. Let me squeeze to that level at least. Because you will wait, and then after that go to paradise. He said, if I could reach just that level, that is my greatest hope. So this indicates to you the way the scholars, they look at themselves, unlike people these days, think that they have guaranteed themselves paradise, think that they pray their five prayers and that's it, think that they come to the mosque every now and again and that's it, guaranteed paradise. And that is not the way that they used to think. The Salaf in fact, before Ibn Hazm, from the Salaf, they used to mention some of them, if it was said to me, if it was said to me, that you have a foot in paradise already, or a foot in hellfire right now, where do you think you are? They said we would not be able to answer. Allah A'lam, am I one foot in hellfire right now? Or am I one foot in paradise right now? Despite the amount of worship and deeds they used to do, how much they used to do, their worship, their obedience, and yet when it is said to them, where do you think you are? One foot in paradise or one foot in hellfire? They say, how do I? Allah alam. No idea, I don't know. They would not be convinced and comfortable as the people are now, that inshallah, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm gonna be in paradise. The people, they have this hope in themselves. And it's good to have hope. But at the same time, Ahlul Sunnah, we say, that your hope is balanced with your fear. Hope is balanced with fear. You hope that Allah will forgive you and enter you into paradise. But you equally have fear for all of the sins and the wrongs that you've done. That you may end up with your evil deeds more than your good on that day. And end up in hellfire first, end up in punishment first. It may well occur. Compare yourselves and where we are compared to the likes of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, to the likes of Umar ibn al-Khattab, to the likes of the Salaf. Where are we in our worship? When was the last time we stood up to pray the night prayer outside of Ramadan? Where are we compared to those servants of Allah? So, Ibn Hazm said, if I could get to that level, that would suffice me. Any questions then, we'll have to round off for the prayer. Any questions up to that section there? The second opinion that they may be forgiven by the mercy of Allah. No, the first one, uh, in regards to the effect of the bad deeds, and he said, uh, the bad deeds, first opinion, the bad deeds. Definitely go to hellfire initially. No, no, the first, I'm talking about the second group. Those that, uh-huh. uh, the hasanat is, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So the first opinion is that, yani, the hasanat take away from the bad, I mean, uh, the bad from the hasanat. Yeah. So, the hasanat are forgiven, yeah. The hasanat? The sayyat? I mean, uh, the sayyat, all of them. Yes, upon that opinion, yes, yes. If the if they say that your bad deeds are going to impact on your good deeds, they're not going to impact upon them to the level that you go into a negative figure, because you're in the situation where your good deeds overall, 
wa more than your bad deeds. So even if your bad deeds do equalize out your good deeds, you're still going to be in a positive figure. Therefore, paradise. Yes. No, but third opinion. Sir, does it have any effect No, because the point of that was, it wasn't just about forgiveness or not forgiveness or paradise or hell. The point of that was, does it determine your level? De- determination of your level. 10 to 2 is better than 6 to 4. Your level. Not necessarily the ruling here of therefore paradise or hell. Slightly different topics. There will be overlap between them and you can understand them all together, but they are two independent topics. One is about your level, and one is about directly paradise or hell. The next topic then we'll start next time is going to be, are there any people, any at all, who are exempt from the weighing scale on that day? We know with other things there are exemptions, trial of the grave, etc. There are exemptions with other things we've seen as we've been going along. But are there any exemptions from the balance on that day? From the weighing scale on that day? Will there be any exceptions? That is your homework for this time around. And we'll start with that the next time, inshaAllah ta'ala. Hmm. No. So a person who commits a sin, and we all commit sins, we all fall into error. In the hadith it mentions, all of you sin day and night, and I am the one who forgives, so seek your forgiveness from me and I will forgive from Allah. In the other hadith, كُلُّ بَنِي آدَمْ خَطَّاءٌ وَخَيْرُ الْخَطَّائِنَ التَّوَّابُونَ All of the sons of Adam make error, but the best of them are the ones who repent. Having recognized and realized the error they've made, they repent. But how do you repent? Does it require some special action, a special prayer? Not necessarily, no. There is no special prayer or action like that. Repentance is that you ask, you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. You ask Allah for forgiveness and there are conditions in that seeking of forgiveness. One is that you must have obviously stopped doing the sin. You can't be asking for forgiveness for a sin and you're still doing it yet. Obviously you stop the sin. Secondly, you must regret having ever done it. Not to be, well, I did it, I enjoyed it, but now I'll repent and move on. If that's how you feel about it, you're not being remorseful. You're not understanding the severity of what you did. So the second point, you must have regret. That shows the sincerity. That you do feel regret and bad for what you did. Thirdly, the firm intention resolute intention that you won't go back to it. If you're sincerely or claiming to sincerely repent, but in your mind you're thinking next month I'm gonna go so I'm gonna go do that thing again, then there is no repentance like that. There's no sincerity in your repentance like that. 
You stop the sin, you regret the sin, you make an intention never to return to the sin. Of course, sincerely for the sake of Allah, all of this tawbah, and also there are other conditions. If your sin involved other people, then return their rights also. Perhaps. Perhaps. Maybe a person when he seeks forgiveness, he's genuine, he's sincere, then you would expect some feeling. If there's no feeling, then where is your sincerity and genuine remorse and regret? And perhaps a person cries, but sincerely, not just because it is the understood social norm. Not like that. That you're repenting and you, you realize you're wrong and so you're crying because that's what's expected of you to be doing. Not like that. But that you genuinely and sincerely feel that and you regret that and you seek forgiveness. But what is the fifth condition as well we have left? The time that your tawbah must be done before the sun rises from the west, before the end of time, or before your soul exits from your throat. Inna Allah yaqbalu tawbatal abdi ma lam yugharghir. That Allah accepts the tawbah of a person up until your soul is exiting from you. When it's exiting now, too late, death. So it is upon a person to genuinely, sincerely return back to Allah, seeking forgiveness. Just as the Prophet ﷺ used to seek forgiveness over 70 times a day, a 100 times a day. And that's why some of the scholars, they mention regarding the narration, غُفْرَانَكَ When you come out of the bathroom, you say, غُفْرَانَكَ After using the toilet, Allah, I seek your forgiveness. Why? Because during the time when you were in the toilet, you were not upon worship. You cannot read the Qur'an in there, you cannot do other worship in the toilet. It's a time where it's not worship time. So you come out afterwards, Allah, I seek your forgiveness. For this period of time, I wasn't worshipping at all. I wasn't worshipping in remembrance, in Qur'an, etc. So you seek forgiveness, you make your dua, you ask Allah to forgive you, to have mercy upon you, genuinely, sincerely. Knowing the punishment of Allah, Shadidul Iqab, the most severe in punishment. So balance between hope and fear. And when it comes to the moment of death, then you give a small priority to the hope over the fear. Whilst you are now alive, balance the hope and fear. But at the moment of death, then you give more weight to the hope in Allah that He will forgive you and your sins, forgive you for your wrongs, and enter you into paradise. So if, if someone has more uh, good deeds than bad deeds, but he has a uh, small shirk in his, uh, in his uh, bad deeds, is there not an opinion that he will be punished anyway because of the small shirk? Correct. That is an opinion too. Uh, that if you have more good deeds than bad deeds, that scenario... But in your bad deeds, you have minor shirk. Minor shirk, which doesn't make you a kafir. Some scholars, it's very similar to the opinions we mentioned. Some scholars have the opinion you'll definitely be punished. 
Some scholars still have the second opinion on that too. They say still, it's minor shirk, doesn't exit you from Islam, so therefore generally it's still تحت المشيئة. That is still an opinion of some scholars. But it's a very strong opinion to say you'll definitely be punished. For the ones who had sins outweighing their good deeds. And like we saw there, many of the scholars have that opinion and lean to that opinion. If your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds, there will be certainly an element of punishment in the fire. And generally the ayat and the texts indicate a difference between those who are upon purity of goodness and seeking forgiveness from their sins and those who had sins and evils especially outweighing their good deeds, the ones who have the full security and the ones who have the partial security, those who are usatul muwahideen, sinners from the people of Tawheed though, that they may well enter the hellfire first and then be removed. And there are other narrations about how they come like pearls when they are washed in the rivers. So this indicates that there may well be a punishment initially. We'll have to round off there. We're late for the prayer, inshallah ta'ala. We'll carry on then in uh, two weeks' time with the next session, inshallah.